Um, tonight's focus was I wanted to focus on two aspects of mindfulness um, that aren't addressed so often in retreat, and that is mindfulness of seeing and mindfulness of hearing. Um, they're both very important components of mindfulness because we see and we hear. And if we're not mindful of sights and sounds and the experience that we have while we're seeing and hearing, there's a real potential for distraction. And how many times have we been, you know, like so focused on the breath or on the body and we think our meditation is going really well until we hear a sound and then poof, it's like everything's gone. Or we're doing walking meditation until something catches our visual, it catches our attention in the visual field. So um, mindfulness of seeing and mindfulness of hearing are both very important. And there are different ways of approaching it depending on your interests and what you want to develop and what kind of a, um, a practice context you're in. Um, sometimes on retreats, the encouragement is just to um, restrain the field of the visual field in a way not to look at anything, you know, to kind of um, just remain focused within one's own experience. This really helps reduce distraction and it really helps develop concentration to have a quality of composure that doesn't, so that the attention doesn't move out on different objects. Um, some people take this to the extreme. I've seen people on retreats wearing um, goggles and scarves and visors so that the field of visual vision as they're walking through the building is just like the, the smallest, narrowest thing. And then when they sit in meditation, they'll wrap scarves or blindfolds around their heads so that you know, they won't see any. I, I never got that. I never saw the point of it because I always thought, well, it doesn't actually really matter if there's something that crosses your visual field because what we want to be working with is our attention anyway. And to be able to choose to um, settle the attention or to be mindful of it when it moves. And I think there is a place for reducing the stimulation, you know, like especially in retreat. Um, in daily life, it can be really helpful to be able to choose um, to what we want to give our attention so that we're not just because we see something so it doesn't necessarily mean we have to be dragged into it. Um, some, some people find it very, very difficult to just stay focused and actually are constantly you know, looking and getting into and being involved in whatever it is they see. A bird comes by and completely forget what they're doing and watch the bird. Um, they see the beautiful colored um, glass and... Um, wonder is it a different color this week and then <laughs> and then get all involved in thoughts about that and then um, come back so there, there can be this um, this movement of the attention with um, with sight that we need to incorporate in our meditation if we want our mindfulness to be very complete um, on retreat, sight is often a sort of a tricky thing um, uh, because uh, the senses become very um, heightened and everything looks so intense, so beautiful. 
Um, but if we move off and let our attention go see that flower and see that bug and see that bird and then get involved with this, we'll dissipate the concentration and become quite distracted. And yet, there's a real interest and power that comes because of that subtlety of the senses, that sensitivity of our sensory experience, so that we actually can see a bug and then sit down with it and spend 35 minutes watching a beetle walk. And it can be very interesting to focus visually on something that we casually see, but rarely, really, really contemplate and really look at. So sometimes we can use vision to deepen the concentration, to deepen the investigation without getting distracted. Just by, by sensing the interest and sensing, okay, this is an okay time to sit and to spend um, two and a half hours watching a spider make a, a, a web. It can be a completely fascinating thing to do that doesn't cause a, distra- a distraction in the mind because we've done it very intentionally and we're mindful of the experience of seeing and all of the qualities that go on as we're continuing to reconnect our attention and to sustain our awareness on the experience of seeing that spider do its work. So mindfulness of seeing is important anytime we are seeing, anytime our eyes are open. And we choose then whether to allow that, whether to work with it in a very restrained way or to work with it or compose. I prefer composed. Restrained feels tense. Composed is more the experience of settling in upon making a different choice of focus. Um, But there can be an interesting experience of just letting the gaze be opened, doing open-eyed meditation so that the gaze is very open and things are seen but we're not distracted by them. Birds can pass by but we're not pulled off into the thoughts. We're not pulled off into watching where they're going. We can see an object but not need to um, conceive very much about it. And this can be very interesting to do. It can be interesting to do in very mundane things. Just when you look at something what happens, or when, I, when we were doing that experience of, of, of letting the gaze be soft and focused down, and for many, for, um, for many of you perhaps, it didn't change your meditation all that much. Some attention remained in the body and the breath. Just added another component. But then when you focus upon an object, what happens then? Does the object stimulate a thought? about what it is because now you're perceiving an object, a thing, and then does that stimulate a story or a judgment or an interpretation or a comparison? When we work with the mindfulness of seeing, it can be really helpful to let the seeing, um, let the mindfulness meet the object before the proliferation of thought. And when you come back, to keep coming back to the perception of the object directly before the judgment, the interpretation, the comparison, the desire, the aversion, all the thoughts about it. There are quite a few practices in Buddhism that um, are open-eyed practices. Um, 
different ways of gazing, sometimes for concentration, sometimes for a spacious quality of awareness, um, sometimes for just experiencing the, um, a real basic and fundamental space of phenomena um, without um, any of the contrivances of things. Um, and sometimes it's just a way of, of being a little bit more real so that our mindfulness is more in the world. It includes sight rather than thinking that we really have to be alone with our eyes closed. How many people practice with their eyes open? Sometimes, sometimes, a little bit, yeah. Not much. Most Vipassana is with the eyes closed. Most Zen is with the eyes open, and Tibetan's pretty mixed. Um, does anybody have any questions or comments about seeing? Any experiences that you've had with seeing that might be difficult or you want to work with? What happened when you looked way up? I love that one. It's just for a moment. But seeing our visual, our, the movement of our eyes is usually so habitual. When we think about something, our eyes move in certain directions depending on what we're, what we're um, thinking about. Um, if, we're, if we're questioning something, if there's a, uh, a little fib or something that we're not certain of or that we're exaggerating, it often will be, you can notice it in the movement of the eyes. And if you're very sensitive, if you're very perceptive, you'll notice it in the movement of somebody else's eyes. If you're very sensitive, you'll notice it in the movement of your own. Um, there's a lot that happens that's very habitual between our thought and our eyes. And so it can be a very interesting um, organ to pay attention to. But we very rarely look up without tipping the head. And sometimes I find that if there's slop and torpor in the meditation, I'll have to, or if there's a fixation, like if I've gotten caught on some train of thought and I'm just not breaking it. You know, I come back to the breath, but really I'm off into the thought instantly. Right in the middle of the meditation, I'll just open my eyes and look up. And it, it cuts through so much, just for a moment, and then settle again, and it's like that has somehow really shifted things. Um, they use that in some of the Dzogchen techniques to um, break through, break through uh, mental fixations. Um, and I just find that it's really useful because it, it's a lot less um, disruptive than you know, standing up or quitting the meditation. It's just a blink. Please. Well, welcome. An interesting thought just occurred to me when I look up like that. It's, um, it almost takes me back to my childhood. And when I looked up, t- looked up to those who took care of me, mm-hmm. and it was a good feeling. Mm-hmm. Besides, you know, when you look up, and you, it's something else, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's the higher, higher power. But yeah. that's what just occurred to me. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good to notice whatever, um, what, you know, just to notice what your experience actually is. I'd like to um, I 
I'd like to include sound and then we'll talk about these things some more. Look, I have all kinds of sounds to make here. I have little toys. So, and actually the floor is a musical instrument all of itself. Maybe I'll just do this, leave all these toys and just walk around. I um, I uh, went to an exhibit, uh, a sound exhibit that a friend, a sound artist uh, who's a friend and a uh, Zen practitioner um, did, and um, he, um, it was really quite interesting, this has nothing to do with what we're doing, it just made me think of it. Um, the, the, the work was, he had gone into the gallery and he had made, he had recorded sounds in the, in the space, you know, like the sound of the floor and the sound of touching something or scraping something or the light switch or the, um, and he composed a musical piece basically using the room as the instrument. It was actually very lovely. Very lovely, and it was amazing. Just the sounds that, just by mo- moving the things that were already present in an empty gallery, or, or coming up against the things that were present in an empty gallery, the sounds that one would have. Well, as you, um, as you just settle into a meditative posture again, listen to the sound of movement without judgment without resistance, just opening to the experience of hearing. Let your attention be open and spacious. So that it's big and vast. Within this open, relaxed mind, many sounds can come and go. Accept whatever sound comes without judgment. Accept the space between sounds as the silence. Equally mindful with sound and with silence. Listening to the bells.
noticing the sounds in the world, not thinking about them, just letting the attention rest in the experience of hearing as the sound waves meet your ear door, just conscious of hearing. See if you can rest at ease in the sitting posture and allow the sounds to come and greet you. You don't need to move out toward the sound. Just receptive and open to whatever sounds appear. Some sounds are distinct. Some sounds are muffled and subtle. Some originate near us or within us. 
and others originate far away. Greet each one as simply a moment of hearing, a present moment, physical experience. Not good sounds, not bad sounds. Let hearing be experienced very simply and just notice the quality of attention that hears. Notice how impermanent a sound is. Notice how it changes in intensity or disappears.
are the sounds under your control? Can you make them increase or decrease or disappear? Sometimes we suffer because we judge or react to things that just are the way that they are, impermanent phenomena, experiences that come and go. Just hearing, tranquil, equanimous, attentive. Let the mind be spacious and no hearing. As you're mindful of hearing, have some attention still vibrant in the body so that you're experiencing hearing in the sitting posture. For the next few minutes, please experiment with opening your eyes. And see if you can remain undistracted and alert, sitting, hearing, and seeing.
Notice how the attention moves between those experiences, sometimes very distinctly, sometimes focusing on seeing or hearing or sitting, and sometimes more generally but still alert. the attention wanders into thought. Just know your thinking and then reconnect with the next experience of seeing or hearing. be peaceful.
May all beings be free. have any questions about your um, practice either this week using um, various ways of doing touch points and body or the sound or the sight when you focus on a point or an object do you want to only focus on that and like not let anything else in or do you focus on that as well other things at the same time with your with your eyesight, I mean. Well, there are different approaches. If you want to develop um, certain kinds of concentration, you could take a um, some object and stare at it. You know, and just really, really just focus on it. Um, although a flame is a traditional object, it also has certain dangers for the eyes, so I don't recommend a flame. Um, if you want to develop certain contemplations of things, you just sometimes need to just look at something for a really long time until, you, um, until your relationship to it becomes quite uncontrived. Um, anytime you're investigating something, whether it's science or, um, or spiritual, it's sometimes just looking at something very deeply um, and non-judgmentally for a long time can, can bring insight. But um, I suggested that you, you focus on something and then you let the attention be more general, sort of a soft gaze. Mostly because I wanted you to experience the capacity that we have to focus in on a particular um, and then also to have it just be soft, but both ways we're aware of seeing. Sometimes when it's general, um, we're aware of seeing as a general experience, the knowing of seeing, and we have no concern over what the particulars are. And sometimes when we focus in on a particular, we're aware that we are seeing that. And what the that is can easily trigger thoughts. But sometimes if we want to investigate the that, then we focus on a that. There isn't a right way to do meditation and mindfulness with seeing. What I found is really, really important is to simply bring some attention to how it is we are seeing and to have some flexibility with how we move, our, our, how we use our sight mindfully so that we're not just dragged into habitual ways of using sight. Now, some professions train sight. Quite a few professions train sight. I'm, I was trained as an artist and have an MFA degree. So my sight was trained in a certain way of seeing images, seeing things, and um, a, a whole different way of looking at objects, looking at shadows and foregrounds and backgrounds and perspectives and, and, and things. That, that um, is, a, is a different training of perception. And some, there are other professions as well that, that train sight in different ways. And that can be really interesting because if we've, for people who've done some sort of sight training, um, 
it, it creates another way of looking that isn't just the standard way of looking. Most people, when they look at things, they just look at what they like and what they don't like. And the things that they like, they move after. And the things that they don't like, they judge and push away. It's as simple as that. And so, but that's not very mindful. And it, every time then we're seeing and we're stimulating desire and aversion through sight and acting on that habitually, we're karmically recreate, we're karmically strengthening desire and aversion. So it's important to in some way bring mindfulness to the experience of seeing. The focusing on an object can be helpful for concentration, but there really isn't clear instruction. I, I did a concentration retreat and one teacher said, be like you have blinders on. And the teacher would go like this, you know, like gesture like this, so that it was like you don't see anything. And it's easy enough to do by dulling out a certain amount of experience. And I didn't find it to be helpful for me in the long run. I found a quality of composure where I made a clear choice, but everything else dissolved into the periphery, not out of a blinder experience, but out of a, 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 pref a choice that I made to be much more helpful for my development of concentration. But I also recently did that um, a month-long retreat with Paul Sayadaw, who's a jhana master from Burma. And his instruction was to continue the concentration practice um, in the walking meditation and it completely was a, an extraordinary transformation when I recognized the moment or the, the, the time when it developed the momentum of concentration developed enough so that I could continue that practice very very strongly in the walking to the point that when things moved in the visual field even while I was moving the mind didn't move after them nor did the sight move after them there was, such a, there was such a stability and it was eyes opened. So concentration can develop with eyes open regardless of whether you're looking at a thing. There can also be mental, um, mental focuses for the, for the concentration. But for today, what I wanted to do was emphasize just bring, bringing some attention to the experience of seeing because that's a realm of great distraction. For the homework this week, I'd like you to simply be aware of your responses to seeing and to hearing. Notice if you're having any reactions. Anytime you get annoyed, angry, um, irritated, um, desirous, craving, notice if it was what stimulated it. They won't all be based on seeing and hearing, but I'll bet a fair percentage will be based on seeing and hearing. It's amazing how our reactivity is just triggered by an unmindful sensory contact at the eye door or the ear door. And just in that moment, recognize, oh, seeing, and oh, hearing, so that you bring mindfulness right to that process. And, and play with it a little bit. I don't think you have to do a whole lot with it, but play with it a little bit. If you, if you have a reaction to the advertisements, yeah, advertisements. particularly for food advertisements. Oh, yeah, you, <laughs> you watch a food advertisement and five minutes after dinner, oh, wouldn't that be good to eat? <laughs> yeah, that's a good place to do the practice. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, um, so you said, you said you had, that we didn't do this next, last week, did we?
No, but a couple of you did it on Tuesday. Well, we, you can tell me whether or not you... We can do that and something else, maybe. So we'll do something else, too. Um, we'll see you next week, then.